And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, hello, and welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host, and today I'm doing a very special show with a very special guest. I'll be speaking with my son, Andrew Brutico. He has about 30 years working in the so-called Hollywood, including radio, TV, stand-up, and the movies. He's going to tell us why Hollywood is a unique model, but finally is a business like any other. Grab a friend, maybe more than one, because you'll hear his story and how he got there, which may help us write our own story along the way. But you might ask, why interview your son? Well, his experience in the entertainment industry, especially his years in radio, has made him my biggest critic and also my most valuable advisor. Now, people frequently ask about the entertainment industry, how to get in it, how to succeed, how to make it a job that will support themselves. So I made a deal with Andrew. I said, listen, you can tell your zigzag story about how you got to where you got. And he assures me he's still learning every day as he's building in exchange for being able to ask questions on the air about business and life issues that confront you every day. I agreed, so part two of our show today, or maybe intertwined in the show, will be Andrew Live shooting questions to me about growing and managing life and career. He promised not to give me any passes, so I'm hoping I can be helpful clarifying things that concern him. We will see. So stay tuned for what promises to be a fact-packed show. I was going to say fact-fun show, but it might be fun too. Interesting, informative, and entertaining. As I said, stay with us. Before we get started, though, we have to jump into a topic uh, that's a little different. It's taking care of our business. I should say my producer's businesses. We love your feedback and questions. So leave us a question anytime, 24-7, on our voice line at 844 610 8265. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8265. And you could be on the air just like my son. Like us on Facebook at The Mentors Radio. And finally, visit our website, www.thementorsradio.com, where you can review every one of our show notes and use our links to guest resources. Of course, it's all free, and you get full access at www.thementorsradio.com. But now, let me tell you a bit about today's guest, my mentor's son, Andrew Brutico, title producer for Walt Disney Studios. Kind of a brief overview, as I remember it is, that Andrew has worked in the entertainment industry for about 30 years, starting when he was a freshman in college. He's done many radio shows, managed stations, been a screen caller, board operator, worked in technology, I believe in Apple, supporting the industry in the early days, served TV, served in TV internships, carried cables and grips around for ESPN, did stand-up at the Improv, and has called the, the Walt Disney Company home for about the last 20 years, or thereabouts. He lives close to Burbank with his wife, Tatiana, and two children, Hudson and Luna. So let the fun begin. Hello, Andrew. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, Pop. It's good to be here on, Ment- on The Mentors. Love the show. I'm excited to be here. Great host, well, gl- great show. <laughs> I like the great host part. That's good. You were just, just as you were paid to do. I'm trying to butter you up a little bit. Um, my, my voice is a little hoarse today, so I just want to give you a warning on that. I want to have the golden tones I usually have, but I'll work on it. Well, my voice is a bit hoarse, too. Maybe we're a couple of what did you say before? <laughs> horses, horses or jackasses or something in between. But we will, I, I think you did say something we'll like that. that, yes. Let's we'll hope let that's not the case. That. <laughs> we will. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. so, so, Andrew, I kind of rattled through your career as I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is if you could kind of give us a, a brief cliff notes of your career, the whys, the hows. I mean... It, you zigzagged all over the place. Did you have a script written for you? Did you read a book? 
Did they teach you how to do this in college? You know, I'm kind of curious, and I think so many people who are curious about Hollywood, which I think everyone is, uh, wonders how these things transpire. So take a shot at it. How did you get started? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd say, first of all, our conversation, much like my career, will zigzag a bit. But, um, <laughs> you know, we started, I would say I started as far back as far as radio in high school when I was um, a junior, when I went after school and would try to stop by the radio station in the Claremont Colleges area just to kind of see what the DJs were doing at that time. And there was another great show that played old radio shows in um, Pasadena, and I would try to, whenever I could, gain some sort of entrance to just watch what these people do because I just found it a whole other mysterious land on the other end of that bo- other end of the box and so the radio so that's kind of where I got interested I think to some extent in kind of the theater of the mind and getting involved in people learning new concepts and, and hearing stories so that's what really what started me off I'd say in a journey towards the uh, career I currently have but there was definitely no script uh, that's something we didn't have. I've, I've worn a lot of hats, so to speak, and I've done some jobs that are uh, they're pretty somewhat prestigious, and I've got other ones that are basically cleaning up after people. So far and uh, many in between, I would say. Well, so the first thing I'm finding out on this show is that yeah. when I thought you were off studying at a library somewhere, you were actually <laughs> in a radio station. That's the first. That's the first problem I run into with doing a radio show with your father. Having to reveal some of this information. I'm, but, I'm afraid. I'm afraid some of the rest of it might be classified, Andrew. Yeah, it might be. But uh, after I, you know, I got out of high school. I went to uh, college and already volunteered immediately for the college radio station because I was just uh, had a love for that and a love for working with a lot of musicians and artists. And so that's kind of what set me down this road at the same time getting involved in a film career and I think one of my earliest things I was doing was shooting music videos for local music musical groups and that's kind of what shifted at the time I was in Colorado and um, quickly realized back then in the 88 89 there was I didn't know I, I thought I should be back in California so after about two so years I transferred to Northern California, where I went to Santa Clara University and took up some communications classes with some filmmaking, but mostly used, just got involved with a lot of different industries, Channel 54 and KBAY and different radio stations and the, the local radio stations the campus and uh, shooting movies whenever I could get on one. Anything I could do is what I just started getting involved in. Well, let me let me stop you there, because if you remember radio, we have hard breaks and we're yep. coming up against one right now. So maybe so maybe uh, we've, we've got about a minute left. And so maybe you just might want to say that um, a- after we get back from the break, if you could kind of bring us into what what happened and how that transferred into a more. Uh, so I guess really picking up from anything you did in school and where it went from there and how other people might uh, do something very similar. So uh, all of you out there listening to me, so, you know, stay with us. I think this it should be interesting. And as you can see, it's already been a lot of fun. So uh, who knows what we're going to say, say next. Sometimes I'm not sure I do. Um, so, <laughs> you're listening to the Mentors Radio Station. We'll join you right after this. This is a church, a church that might be like yours with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willethauser Architectural Glass. Willethauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen, with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience, brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. 
I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My Pillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. Hopeinacan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Mentors Radio. I'm your mentor host for today, Rick Brudico, and we're talking with Andrew, whose topic is Hollywood as a business. Well, another thing that's interesting about this show is that Andrew is my son. He's been in the business for years. And I've, uh, I get a lot of questions about Hollywood and the entertainment industry as a career. So I thought, who better to ask than someone that's been living it for 20 or 30 years now? Um, so, Andrew, we, right before the break, you had kind of taken us through, I guess, your early years when you were shooting videos for musical groups, etc. Why don't you pick it up there so we get an idea of uh, what you're doing now and how you got there? Well, this is in no way a linear uh, resume, so don't hold me to that. No wagering, please. But I would say that, um, so I was doing the music videos, uh, but then I had to do lots of other things for, to do other jobs for money. I'd shot weddings for a company. I was doing, working for a company with Apple, which is CKS, and we did Apple TV. Um, I would do internships. I think it's at, at Channel 54, which is a local station in San Jose, and things like that. And I even at one time... Um, started a little uh, comedy show called Prozac Crisis, which was skits, <laughs> a skit show that we would try. We basically, we were trying to think of how do we get this on the air back in those days. There wasn't really, unlike YouTube, there was no place to really to put it. So what we would do is use a local college to make three-quarter tapes at the time and just circulate them out around a lot of the local TV stations in the Northern California area. So I'm not even sure anyone ever actually saw it even one episode of the show, but that is one of the things we just try to do to get involved in the film industry. And that led me into a lot of other jobs, like I was looking to uh, work for ESPN. I pulled, uh, first I just pulled cable behind someone with a camera, <clears throat> which is essentially just pure grunt work and running alongside of them in the rain. I want to say the first one I did was for a drill team convention or something like that, where just watching people perform uh, team acrobatics and then uh, they asked called me back as an actual camera operator and they would be offered maybe a job to hold boom on one of the shows which is the microphone and um, now, now I can't help asking you Andrew I have to ask is this after you uh, were out of college some of these were in my senior year and then uh, that went into after college so you, this... a, my senior thesis um, so these thousands years. of dollars that I was paying for <laughs> tuition had you right. holding microphones. Right. Right. <laughs> did, did, did it make you wonder at some point that maybe this wasn't the way you should go? Well, I, there's many sleepless nights over this career. I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, but that's just what, you know, that, this was my path. I'm not sure it was always the best path. And there might be better ways to do this. Uh, for me, and it's part of my love, is even still now, is to get involved. I just want to learn things, and hopefully that excitement is generated with the with the clients I work with, and hopefully even on the screen with the projects I work on. But 
that sort of passion drives me. So I would, instead of sticking to one area, I just wanted to get involved with as many things as I could to see what was a good fit and just learn about the process. So that's kind of why I had like, you know, 10 to 20 different things going all at once at that time. Well, you know, that fits really well with my my motto about the show. Um, you know, what I hope we do here, what I really hope we do, and I hope you can help us do it today, yeah. is that we, we all learn from other people's experience. Uh, I have a personal saying, which I've said on the show many times, that it's not about your, you know, your your Mensa standing or your, your scores and grades in school or even your, your, your college degree or whatever degree you might have. It's really about how you apply things, which I qualify, uh, qualify or call wisdom. And wisdom for me is your experiences transformed or modified by time. And so I think it's often just as just as good, just as valuable to have something that like you might have called, I think you called it grunt work or something like that. Sometimes right. that is the most educational of all things. You learn you learn things about the way uh, a show comes together, I would assume in your case, or a business comes together or the way production facilities work. And I don't necessarily mean even film production facilities. I mean facilities that are you know producing manufactured products or something. Did you find that? Do you find those early day things relate to even what you're doing now? Well, I think the, the basics, the fundamentals do, but early on what I learned is, you know, technology changed in the four years I was in school. A lot of the things I had learned had to be unlearned because essentially they were no longer being utilized. And then, but the, but the actual core, the general study of things didn't really change. I mean, to me, the most helpful thing to be in this industry is dealing with people. That's still the to this day, the, the one thing I, I can't stress more than anything else is just being able to handle people and work with them more than well, any you know, techno- technological background. Well, you know, flash, flash, flash nobody, nobody's going to think this is a surprise, but that's true in every single business period. If you can't develop relationships, it is, in fact, it is those relationships that make businesses work. Um, so I'm, I'm not at all surprised for you to come up with that comment, but, but I also kind of think, and you know, if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I kind of think that, that you bouncing around from place to place and experiencing all these various types of, of, uh, entertainment media, whether it's, um, TV, radio, you know, I know you did some stand up one time, things like that. I think they all had to contribute to the work that you do today. And is that wrong? Or am I hearing you say that's wrong? No, I think that's very true. I mean, even some of the work I did in improv and things like that were important. And, and I mean, I, lo- I loved comedy. I liked writing comedy. But uh, that was more kind of to get over some of my fear of dealing with people and trying to conquer some of my inhibitions and in just handling uh, work in the industry. And so that I think everything helps to some extent. And one of the things I'll tell you I've learned after listening to your show, this The Mentor Show, is that... My problems aren't unique, and that's, I think, a thing a lot of us kind of get stuck on is we think these are problems exclusive to our industry. I hear lots of people say, well, I don't understand your industry. And I think I'd fire back and say, you know, if you, your industry is pretty, a lot similar to, to mine, very close to mine, more so than you think. And so I, that's one of the things I think I've learned a lot on listening to the show and the, and the various hosts you've had and guests is that we have many of the same problems, just how we handle them. Well, you know, that I mean, to, for you to say that makes my day. And I know that Tom Laurie, who hopefully is listening to this show, one of my fellow hosts, um, feels very similarly. Uh, we both have long careers, and I can't tell you how much we learn listening to uh, these people that, we're, that are on, on our shows. And what always shocks and surprises me is things don't change. I mean, lots of things change. Technology changes. But the way businesses run, the way uh, other things happen in your career, the way your life goes, the way you raise your kids, the problems that existed before are the same problems that exist today, and they're they're similar. I mean, so I, one time I asked you about the entertainment industry, and you said something about um, something about after all, it's business or show business. Can you expound on that a bit? I remember because <laughs> you know one of the things I, I love to tell people is it's it's not show. This is show business. <laughs> um, we aren't here just to have fun and to just be creative people. I mean, there's so many people involved in this industry. Everything from well, garbage people to truck drivers to camera operators, directors, etc. And it really takes everyone to make some of these projects take off. So uh, business is still at the, at the key and the core of this industry that I'm in. 
And after all, isn't it so? I mean, I know it's so, but I'll let you say it. After all, if it's if in the final analysis, it's not economic. It doesn't have the follow the economic rules. That is, you know, to say a crude word, you make a profit. It doesn't get done. Isn't that right? It's absolutely right. Yeah. And we even have we even have another saying. Uh, another um, mentor told me once, which was, "We sell them, we don't smell them." So this is all about getting the product out there. We want to make sure it's something that the people want. I mean, ultimately, the market will decide what they want to see as far as films go. But, um, you know, I, I try to put my passion in each one of them, but they do have to. They're all about it is a product. It just happens to be a widget, maybe driven by creative, but it's still a widget. Yeah, I think that's so. And so I'm so glad you said this because I absolutely agree with you. And that's a correlation to what I hear from so many people. I mean, they, they, we have this awe about what happens in Hollywood. You know, all right. of the things you read about, you hear about, and mainly you're focused on the stars and the people behind the scenes don't get much press. And so we we tend to think of it merely as just a lot of infor, a lot of information created in some way that magically appears on the big screen, and you know it's what the actor says or the actor, other actors responds to. When in reality, I think you're saying it's a business after all. We got to be economic. It's a project. We got to get it done. Have to do it on time. Have to make budget. Things like that. Am I correct about that, Andrew? Absolutely. Has to be driven. Yeah. And it is. Uh, it is. It is work. It's a job, and it has to be treated as such. Yeah, and 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 I and and you're always watching things like time, deadlines, budget, right? Yeah, I mean, essentially, my job in many ways as a as a title producer is really a product project manager. Like I said, my widget is the film, the post side of the film, and making sure it looks the way it needs to go out as a post theatrical release. And so that is, um, I'm driven by budget. I need to be fiscally responsible to the company and the shareholder. And I also have to be creatively responsible as I'm trying to actually help the creative achieve their vision. That's important to me, but it also, I, I am a... Uh, okay, okay, and I got to interrupt you there. I'm sorry, because we're really hard up against the break. In fact, I think we're already over it. But nonetheless, we'll pick it up when you come back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal. Focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. bullyofasia.com. 
And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. I hope you've been with us for the first couple segments of this show. We're having a great time. I'm interviewing uh, my son, Andrew Brutico. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host for today. And our topic is Hollywood as a business. And that's exactly what we had gotten into just before the break. Andrew was telling us how Hollywood is like any other business. It's economic. It's got to make money. It's got to make its time frame. It's got to be released when it's supposed to be released. There's all kinds of things that go on behind the scenes. And he categorized himself as a project manager, uh, which if you think about it is what everybody is in every business that produces any kind of product. But uh, Andrew, could you pick it up there and kind of review what you said and, and take us to what your job as the project manager really is? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think what, what I was saying is that, I mean, this job is like any other. Maybe my job is around telling stories, but I'm still managing a creative product or my creative widget, um, as I was calling it. But Essentially, what I do is involved with the creative as well as the company to achieve a look for the film. So the two areas I work in are anything new you see outside of a theater on film. You are probably watching the version we worked on at the studio. That's DVD, that's airline, that's cable, that's um, Blu-ray, that's HDR, so forth and so on, Um, as well as restoration on old films. In that case, you're watching definitely the ones we, we worked on, and that... We just want to make sure we work with the creative team or the director to make sure it comes out the way they want to have it go out, as well as trying to make be fiscally responsible for the studio, as I mentioned. And that's just something we have to drive, and it absolutely is a business, a business with deadlines and goals to achieve. It's not just sitting around drinking Perrier, although I'm sure people think that's <laughs> a lot of times people say, you're just watching movies all day. What kind of work are you doing? But when you have to watch the same movie about 50, 60 times, I'll tell you, you definitely feel that it's uh, there's work that has to be done, and there's scrutinizing and fixing things. So the uh, well, Andrew, I can tell you that some of the movies, if I had to watch it even one time, that was that would be work for me. <laughs> I know, that, I know that they're not all they're not all for you. I get that. you might not be my audience. I know, and I would also say I'm not talking about the ones you do. I'm talking about just movies in general. Well, I already have a question for you, and I think I could ask you questions all day, Dad. But, I mean, one of the ones I definitely want to know is for you as a CEO, and I know you don't speak for all CEOs, but just for you, how do you walk that line between living, creating a product and keeping um, working for the shareholders at the same time why – making sure you're being responsible to your heart, soul, or the people. I don't know if that's necessarily an ethical question, but how do you, how do you balance that in your world? Well, first of all, I think you mean, not as an ethical question, because the question is certainly ethical, but I think you mean, is it, is it is a question of ethics? Is that what you're, you're referring to? Correct. Yeah. So that's a great question. It really is a great question, and I must tell you that. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you're right. I don't speak for everybody. But I will tell you this, uh, as you know, I've been in business for over 50 years and I've run companies and I've created products and I've done technology and not on that any of that is to pat myself on the back. It's only to say that what you're saying today is very much what I found out, whether whether it was in technology or whether we were building consumer products, it really didn't change much from a business perspective. And that leads me back to the general nature of the answer I'm about to give you about a CEO. You know, I think a C- CEOs uh, often, you know, they, um, they sometimes don't even realize what their job is. So number one, in my view, a, she, a CEO has to have a vision. And so his number one job is communicate that vision. So he's going to communicate it to his staff, communicate it to their staff, and it's going to be communicated all the way down the line. Now, a good CEO can do that. A a, a bad CEO or a CEO that's not as effective in communication can't. He tells his assistant and expects it all to just spill out. It's really important that the vision is communicated well. It's the only way the people that work for him indirectly in one way or another will know whether they're they're on the right path or not. So he sets the plan. That's the vision. And, and, and that plan, of course, it's monetary. It has to be because it's economic in the final analysis. But that plan is much more than monetary. It's mo- almost more like marketing. You have to have something really to tell the story of what it is you're building or doing. 
So that's that is, is where I see his number one job. Now, what's his next job? His next job, of course, is to make sure that people are performing. He is not to perform the job of any of the other people underneath him or even associated next to him. Why? Because if he could do that job, that's what he should be doing, not CEO. What he, his job is to manage them. In other words, set goals and objectives for them, work with them, not work with them in some sort of demeaning fashion or negative fashion, but in a positive fashion. How can I help you? What can I do with the corporate resources? Where can I expend time and energy to help you meet your goals and objectives? Because after all, if that person he's talking to has the vision, they're going to be meeting the goals and objectives of his vision. And that's what he's supposed to do, get his vision met. The third leg is that whatever he's trying to do has got to be economic. What does economic mean? It means when you start with the money at the top, income, and put all the expenses underneath it, you come down with the bottom line. And the bottom line is often thought to be a nasty word, profit. But let me assure you, without profit, things don't work. They simply don't work. Just like you said a minute ago, Andrew, that there, there's nobody that's going to make a film or get you involved in doing all this stuff. If in the end of the day, it's not going to be profitable. That's not to say that unprofitable films haven't been made, unprofitable products haven't been made, but hopefully CEOs and the whole organization learn from those so that they don't make that same error next time. So that brings up to what's his duty to the shareholders. Well, the responsibility is to create a great product the best quality product he can at the lowest cost that he can produce it. And by the way, those things are not necessarily in tandem and they aren't necessarily contentious. There are ways to create good products at high quality and then deliver it to the customers to meet the customer's satisfaction. That's the key that he's trying to do. If he does that, he's servicing the shareholders. It's just that simple. Why? Because the shareholders are going to get some sort of remuneration based upon either what the the uh, dividend is or in selling their stock because it went up in price. And what's that based upon? The financial performance of the company. So so it, it really, there shouldn't be any ethical dilemma here. Now, along the way, everybody's got to start off with one basic thing, especially if you're a CEO. Don't do things bad. Always make it worse. I mean, excuse me, always make it better, never make it worse. Sorry about that. Always make it better, never make it worse. That's right. kind of the same code that doctors apply. And if he does that, you follow the natural law. That is to say, you do good and avoid evil or avoid bad. And if you do that, what you're doing is well-grounded, well-formatted, and it's moral and it's ethical. So, I mean, it's kind of like a, a long answer, a complex question, but really it's pretty simple, isn't it? Just do yeah. the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, um, well, I hope I, I got somewhere around where you where you wanted to go. I know it went a little bit long, but um, it is one of my is one of my um, driving forces. In fact, I can tell you and all the listeners the main reason I do this show is because I've learned from getting a lot of bumps in my head over the years, and um, I think passing those things along and making people think there are no simple panaceas, but just hard work. And doing the right thing, I always say, do the right thing and the right thing happens. So we're coming up against a break again. Let me leave it with it there. Please stick with us after the break. We're going to hear more about Hollywood and how Andrew got to be a title producer. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. 
But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. I'm Rick Brudico. If you just joined us, we've been having a lot of fun here. I hope you have, too, listening to us. Uh, I'm interviewing my son, Andrew Brudico, a title producer for the Walt Disney Company. And uh, we're trying to learn a lot about the, the industry, but we're also having a good time learning about a lot of business things. And I think the main thing that we're learning is that business is business is business. And whether you're making films or, as Andrew says, his, his widget is a film, um, it's all the same. So as we, right before we left, you asked me a question about CEOs, what they're supposed to do, and essentially how do they balance between shareholders and the, I guess, the issues between their employees, shareholders, and things. I think I kind of got off on a, a long story on that. Did I answer your question, or do you need to expound upon that, Andrew? You did. I might ask for the cliff note version another time, but that was a good answer. <laughs> I think you did a good job of definitely answering it. I mean, I think I put that hand in hand with how to manage up to a CEO, because one of the dreaded things I always call it the CEO is the CEO disease where the CEOs are so high level, they're not necessarily on the ground. Hopefully they're the type of people who aren't micromanaging and let their, let their employees run with it. But that always brings the, the difficulty, at least for me anyways, in managing up to the executive in, uh, in any group I'm working in, any business I've been in. So, so is, that a, that is that a question? A way to do that. <laughs> I'm assuming sure, that's I'm a question. Sure there's an easy answer here, but it's very, <laughs> well, it's, quite, it's very hard for me to do. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's an important question, and and um, you know, I, I believe that you there's two ways of managing, right? Managing up and managing down, and everybody's right. always concerned about managing down. And don't get me wrong, the skills in managing down are very, very, very important skills. How you keep people enthused, energized, and following the vision is really important. However, you've got one thing in your favor managing down, and that is that you control what those people do. So it's not as hard. It might be hard to effectively do it, become a good manager, but it's not as hard to actually implement it. But the critical piece is managing up. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is that if you don't manage up, you're really missing half of the problem. Because not only when you manage up, people think, oh, he's saying he's got to tell his manager what to do. Not so. What you got to do is you got to help be part of the creative team, if you will. And I don't mean creative necessarily in a Hollywood sense, but creative team that generates where and how you're going somewhere. That manager really is, if you think about the CEO, he brings together his top staff people. And by their contributions, they define that vision. They define the goals. They set the objectives. You got to be part of that. And how are you part of that? You're part of that if the manager thinks, your manager thinks that you can contribute effectively to it. And how do you get to contribute effectively to it? You do it by doing it. So you got to manage that manager so he wants to include you. And then when you get included, you got to sell him on your way to go, knowing that most of the time you won't. But with good suggestions and good uh, contribution, you will help to modify the solution so that it's one that's more complete and hopefully takes into consideration the concerns that you have as well as other managers below him may have. So I don't know if, if that helps to answer your question. All I can tell you is work at it. It's probably the most important piece of your career is to build the, the relationship with your manager. And that's where it starts. Build a good relationship. People don't like to work in a contentious environment. They may think they do. Often managers slam their fist on the desk, yell and scream. I've never seen a good manager who is contentious with all his subordinates, ever. The only kind right. that really work well is they work together and contribute to grow and build something. Did I get somewhere near your 
answer no, your question? I, I, you know, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I will tell you, even when I worked in the computer industry IT side, it's not that much different, again, than the creative side. There might be directors or VPs, but they have their stars, they have their creative teams and that industry just as much as they do in this industry. So um, I think that is important to try and keep all those plates spinning, but you do have to try and manage up, and that is hard to do, but uh, it feels like it's very important. Obviously, every well, day. And, it's, and it's a great metaphor, right? And it's a great right. metaphor. If you think of the, the plate, plate spinning, and I don't know how those guys do that, but they put it on the end of their finger and they move the stick around. Well, you can right. think of that as that manager. And yeah. if that manager does that, he's spinning them around. Your job is to contribute to keeping those spinning. And so that's why you have to help manage the manager or how manage up to the manager so he can effectively do his job. You can effectively do yours. Right. Absolutely. So, so I have another thing that I'm kind of interested in since you've got two questions in here. I remember uh, kind of along this topic about you um, going to a trade show and something and got mesmerized or saw, were starstruck by the VPs that you were with. Oh, yeah. That's true. Actually, this was uh, a while ago. I was invited to go hang out with some of the um, execs and VPs at, at a trade show in Vegas that they wanted me to attend. And at first, I just wasn't certain that I would... Uh, I was a little intimidated by that, going there, and just wasn't sure. I mean, they were all VPs, executives. They make a, quite a bit more money than I do. And I just wasn't sure if that was a, a good idea to handle it. So I was, I was worried. But essentially, I just made the decision that I had to accept the invitation, no matter how uncomfortable I was, just to put myself out there and get some face time and visibility. And, and did you do that? I did, yeah. I, I actually, I got, I mean, I, I, was, I was uncomfortable, I won't lie to you. I mean, the whole time I felt like I had to struggle to try and talk to them. I mean, some of these people were talking about racing on the Autobahn. I mean, this was not, not necessarily my set. I'm not the white, white shoe boating set, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wanted to, I, wasn't, I didn't want to say no to the possibilities. So I just wanted to be the yes, as they say, just accept it and... Um, be true to myself and still put myself out there without being well, a you, yes man. Well, you know, uh, Andrew, that that's a critical question. So a lot of people get concerned about that, too. You yeah. know, you need to know in your career, you know, just let's think about this for a second. You're a carpenter. You're banging nails. That's your career. That's what you do. All right. That's, a, that's what you're going to do eight hours a day. But everything that you do has to also be aimed at marketing that skill set. Because if you don't make aware to other people, that you can bang nails effectively, then this will be your first and last job. So it's it's very, very important that you get in with the people that make those kinds of decisions and decide to let them know where you are. You're marketing yourself at that time. This isn't an ego thing. This is a, a matter of being involved. And besides, I will tell you, I'll bet you in every one of those meetings, something comes out of them. Something good comes out of them. It may not come out for 10 years, but something good is. And I will tell you one thing that happened to me just recently of a, a, a company that I was with 20 years ago. Yeah. And all of, a, all of a sudden I get an email and think about three days ago and some guy says, I remember when you were this company and we're interested in being advised on the kinds of work that you did in the stock when that company's long since gone. And we thought you might take some time to spend to talk to us about it. And I'm certainly going to do that. I don't know exactly what they want. But my only point is that opportunity came from an interaction I had 20 years ago. You never know when you have an inter interaction where it will go. And maybe it'll be a nothing opportunity. But you know what? That's what the world's about. You got to sell it after you make it. So you're making it as your career. You have to sell it all the time and you have to do it in the right fashion. But let me tell you this. We have to sell something too. So we're up against a break. And uh, you're, you're listening to the Mentors Radio. You're listening about how, how, why and how Hollywood's a business. And we're learning it's a business just like ours. Stick with us. We'll see you after the break. I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows, and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow, I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow, I got a better night's sleep, and I love it. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. MyPillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. I personally guarantee that MyPillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier, a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. Bullyofasia.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, hello again, Rick Brutico, interviewing my son, Andrew Brutico, on the topic, Hollywood is a business. And I think we found out it's a business like every other business, even though it has its own uniqueness. And so I'm going to ask you, Andrew, at this point, um, you've been in this business 30 years or so. Tell me, young people are listening, middle and mid-career people are listening. Um, what do you advise them to? Good place to be, bad place to be? You know, you, we hear so many horror stories about Hollywood. And that's not including the horror movies they make, just the horror stories. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, your... You know, I think there's a lot of talk about Hollywood. It gets a lot of exposure because of the job that it is, the creative job that it is. But, I mean, as we're seeing nowadays with scandals breaking right and left, there's not necessarily any industry that isn't touched by the same problems. And I think, like I said earlier, by listening to the, the, this show, I've come to understand that these are not, problems are not exclusive to me. So I definitely think it can be a great career to get into. There are pitfalls because it's creative, unlike maybe a job of, of like a doctor where you go through training and schooling and then you're placed somewhere. Um, you really have to be the one driving yourself. You have to be your own cheerleading team, motivator. You have to be able to take rejection. I'd say have a good sense of humor. Be able to laugh at yourself because people will laugh at you. And you just have to be able to run with that. Um, so I think, you know, if you can do those things, and hopefully if you have a strong base, which is a, another question I'll ask you for another time, but that's something that's really important to keep your head on a, a swivel in this industry. Uh, as, our, as your father said, or my, my grandfather, you know, used to always say something similar to when you said you do the right thing, uh, you do the right thing and, and the right thing happens. He would say, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And so I would say, you keep working at it, you, you keep learning, and you will find your opening and a chance to uh, make something happen in your career in this industry. 
Well, that, that's great, great advice. And you're right. My father did have a lot of great advice. I didn't realize how smart he was until after he was long gone. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the fact of the matter is, you know, it is true. You got to work. And, you know, people say, oh, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Well, at least he knew enough to open his mouth. So, <laughs> so you know, but uh, there's one quick question to ask you. And of course, we're running and you're getting close to the end of our time together. But yeah. um I'm kind of interested. Uh, how do you manage those egos? And we only really have about a minute or so to respond. I mean, at least we read about egos all the time. How do you manage that? How do you work with egotistical people? Well, it's hard. I don't know if I can answer that in a minute. But, I mean, I've been fortunate enough not, not to work with a lot of the people you hear about. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you treat it like a product, you have to understand it's creative. It's someone's baby that you're managing. And as long as you, you, you know, Put your best foot forward and try to keep your own ego in check. For one, um, I think that helps a lot. I think people people sense when you're being earnest and you want to actually work to help their product. And as long as you do that, I think uh, that's important. You know, I'll take a hard worker over someone with accolades almost any day for the people I look for hiring. So I think that's uh, I think that shows and shines through. Well, that's great. I want you to give me a one or two word answer on this last one. Would you do it again? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to think about that. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, think uh, I would probably do it again, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that, <laughs> that kind of wraps I'll up. I'll yes to that. All right. Thank you. Uh, that kind of wraps up our time together, Andrew. It was great having you. I hope you'll come and visit with us again on our show. Um, and, uh uh, folks, you've been listening to me interview my son, Andrew, who, I've, as you can tell, I'm extremely proud of. And also, what's most important here is to try to make the, the, the comment to all of you that business is business is business. Life is life is life. Someone may have more fanfare than we have, we the plebeian people. But the fact of the matter is they put on their pants one leg at a time, just like the rest of us do. So... I hope you've enjoyed the show today. You've been listening to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Brutico. As I said, we've been talking with my son, Mr. Andrew Brutico, a title producer for the Walt Disney Studios. If you like what you heard and you want to share it with your friends, or if you tuned in late, you can hear the whole show, get the show notes, links, and more on our website, thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Mentors Radio. See you there. This is Rick Brutico, your mentor host, signing off this edition of Their Mentors and reminding you next week, same time, same channel. And remember, every day in every way, do your part to make our world a little better. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.